0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
1: Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu DMAX. Visit your local Isuzu new dealer today. Host has been named Super Rating, Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host
2: Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Mark Duffield. The big issue this Monday morning is nationwide. It is the Eagles in crisis after a historic loss, 171 points in a grisly affair on Saturday night. For the club itself for its constituency, for the state of Western Australia, but also for its impact across the entire competition and the compromise that the Eagles now represent in a thrilling squeeze for places in the eight. We bring together the Monday Means Test with the big issue, Eagles in Crisis, with SENWA as the Eagles hit rock bottom. And there is a the siren. Their equal biggest winning margin for the Swans and for the Eagles, they are officially at rock bottom. Biggest losing margin, highest score conceded in the club's history. And they will jump out of the fire of today's game. Into a furnace during the week.
3: They don't survive this. Yeah, you just don't. I don't think he can do anything. It's just that's what he's got. That's yeah. the, that's the weapons he's got there, and they're not they're not firing. A change of coach might help.
0: It was unacceptable
4: tonight. Like it was embarrassing. So we're not accepting it. But there's not much we can do outside of keep rolling up our sleeves, train as hard as we can, and try and get better. Do you
5: still feel like you're the right man. Those this?
4: <laughs> yes. I know that question, but... Well, because you you're asking it. Right yeah. Well, um, uh, what do you think I'd say? We talk about in coaching, you know, are you going to use the carrot or the stick? Well, Adam Simpson doesn't have a carrot, and he doesn't have a stick. No-one's going
6: to want to go and play for this club because it's the worst that, that we've seen. They have resisted making changes when they needed to some time ago, and something has to give. Something
2: has to give after a performance like that. Jared Waitley and David King on the Monday Means Tests. SENWA host Mark Duffield. Mark, welcome aboard. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Kingy. Um, Good to be on the show. Just give us, you've been on air already this morning. Just give us the landscape in WA. Uh,
5: Shell shocked, I think, is uh, probably a, a good term, and angry. I think is another good term to describe it at the moment. It's been building for a while. They've been, you know, they've been decimated by COVID and injury last year. They've been decimated by injury again this year. But the level of performance, the range of performance at West Coast now is, you know, your best case scenario is a 40-point loss and your worst case scenario is what we saw on the weekend. Um, There's a feeling, I think, that there is now an appetite for change on the Eagles board. Um, but what that change represents is going to be the interesting thing because my, my understanding is that the, the person most under pressure at the moment is the CEO, Trevin Nisbet. Having said that, West Coast go to Brisbane in two weeks to play the Lions at the Gabba. And if we see a repeat of what we see on the weekend, that could change pretty dramatically as well.
2: Kingy, were you, were you shocked by what happened on the field on Saturday? Uh, You're always shocked
4: by those margins like that. No one expects a margin like that. 100 points is a little bit jarring, but to see 170, it's a rarity, isn't it? And the bottom falls out of everything once you lose trust. Everyone's lost a little bit of trust in the person next to them, whether it's the senior players to the coach, the younger players to the senior players, whatever. They're all – it looks disjointed. It looks a metre off at every opportunity. It can be a metre off. It is a metre off at the moment. I – the first port of call for me is to sack system at the moment, to go back to basic one-on-one. And yes, you're going to be towed around for a little bit and you're going to look a little bit vulnerable. Um, but th- these players that they've got playing for them at the moment can't deliver upon system. They can't deliver upon um, that, that, that intelligence level yet. So maybe strip it right back. Remember Paul Roo style, when he went to Melbourne, we'll how we're going to play and we're just going to compete and be in every contest and we'll probably get beaten for talent. Um, across the course of 120 minutes, but we're going to learn and we're going to regenerate. I think that's where they're at right now. Um, But did I see – no one sees that sort of margin coming and that sort of loss. Do I think they'll turn it around and win games of football? No, no one does. But this, this is the challenge, isn't it? This is the challenge of coming off the back of being all in to win multiple
2: premierships once you've won the first. Did you think as the game unfolded that this would likely be the end of Adam Simpson in, in real time? In real time? Um, I thought that he may
4: say to the club, listen, shake hands, walk away. This is only going to do damage to me, my family, you guys. That, that was the only option I could see of it ending. He, he, I've, he's he, got enormous confidence in himself that he's the man to rebuild the club. Now, he hasn't got a fair swing at it at the moment with injury. There are alibis. Not, not here to make them, right? Not here to make them because people think you're defending a friend. I'm not. I'm just saying there are reasons, tangible reasons, why they're, why they're here. But if he feels he can't do it or he feels the players are no longer 100% buying in with him, then he would walk in as a sensible man a, a, a man who's going to put the West Coast Eagles football club first every time and shake hands and say, we're done here. We've been good for one another. And you work out the financials. I'm not as, I'm not, I'm not as hell bent on saying that he stays for the, for the contract of two years and for the money. That, that's not the Adam Simpson I know. So if people want to say you're defending a mate, or, I, I know that about Simo. So it's not about money. It's about whether you can do the job. Now, he still thinks he can. So, so he's basically saying to them, you can sack me if you like, but you told me six months ago that we were on this course together.
2: This was going to happen, not to this extreme, but this was going to happen. Did you think in real time, Mark, watching on Saturday, that that would be the end of the coach?
5: Uh, I th- Look, My it's always been my understanding that the board has been rock solid behind Adam and that they viewed him as the person to do this and that they – I, I felt that what happened with the board on the weekend and particularly Chairman Paul Fitzpatrick was that there was a, a a suddenly jarring realisation that you know, Paul Fitzpatrick as recently as last week was saying we won't finish bottom, we will win games in the back half of the season. I think there was a jarring realisation when I spoke to Paul in the hour or so after the game that that's not going to be the case that the team really is this bad and that there is no way clear way out in the short term. Did I think he was going to be sacked? I I probably thought probably not. Um, But I also thought he was a lot closer to the precipice at the end of that game than he was um, at the start of the game. Um, And I think I fear for him in that game at the Gabba in two weeks time. I think they'll get a response. Um, Luke Shuey, I'm told, took the players off into a room. Um, and it was one of the reasons why Adam has not spoken to the players when he went into the press conference, and Shuey gave it to the players, and particularly some of the senior players who they felt did not play their roles and did not uh, lead in a manner that would enable the younger players to follow the way they needed to follow to avoid a result like that. Um, So I do think there'll be a a response this week. What I worry about is the week after um, against
4: Brisbane at the Gabba. So Duff, I think that's that. That's the core of it, isn't it? Is it just not delivering upon your role, or is it absolutely not buying in and not and not having the trust, not being united? I think that's the that's the differentiation here, and maybe when you see it over multiple weeks, you you can swing back the other way and say, well, it's just not there anymore. But but right now, these sorts of powwows, they give you the answer. The answer will will, will know. It's all well and good for for Luke Shuey to do this. And then you see the next, not the next quarter of footy, you'll see the next three or four weeks of footy. And if it doesn't return back to where it was, then that's your answer. So I, I, I don't really think we're there right now, but these sorts of conversations are the stepping stones to getting your answer. And
5: David, I think you made a really good point. You made it um, on Fox last night and you made it again today. Um it, Adam needs to strip this back to something as simple as he can possibly make it. And they need to have one, two or three KPIs that the players have to deliver on this week. I think if you're Adam that's what you're looking for and it's about you know intensity it's about effort it's about commitment to a simple task and a simple set of fundamentals and he's always been he's always run a very complex playing style adam and it's been a very technical playing style they've been a little bit of an outlier in the AFL competition where the the way they've played the way they delivered the 2018 flag was different to what Richmond were doing at the time, different to where the game was headed at the time. So it's, it's a challenge for Adam to take them away from that to something more simple, more basic. But, but that is what is in front of them now. And I think if he can't do that and if he can't bind them together to bring that over the next few weeks, then I think both he and Trevor will be gone by the end of the yeah. season.
4: Duff, That's a great point. I see, uh, outliers win flags. But that's that's my thoughts, because if you're going to play the same as the others, you're three years behind. We've heard Sam Mitchell talk about that already. He's at the start of a rebuild. They were an outlier in 2018 when they won the flag. They were playing a totally different way, and people couldn't get their head around it. Collingwood are playing a different way now. People can't get their head around it. It's gonna, It gives them a chance to go to the promised land. So outliers, to me, is not the problem. Um, it's when it, obviously the outliers need needs to be winning games of football, but I think Adam Simpson had a challenge at the start of this year to show that he could address that that game style and become become more of what the game is at the moment. Be be more of a contest team, an outnumber team, and go away from the uncontested mark game. So he had an awkward situation, Duff, where he had to show that he could make changes as a coach and become part of what his 2023 footy yet was severely impacted by injuries with players that necessarily couldn't deliver upon this.
5: Yeah, the other challenge they had, Kingy, was that confidence in their players' bodies. What I was seeing when I was going to West Coast training sessions at the start of this year, I saw a group that was much fitter in terms of the running they'd done and the work they'd done, but they were also contact-averse at training. They wanted to get to round one, with as many fit bodies as they could because of the experience they'd had last year. And I do wonder whether that plus the need to shift towards a more chaos-based game, which they've been trying to do, uh, a more fast-paced game, a game that was going to involve more contact than what they've been used to, whether that has led to a lot of these impact injuries that they've had, which has been a big part of the injury problem. There have been some soft tissue injuries. I think they've got broken athletes And I think they need to address that. I think they're in denial about that. I I think the guys, they think they're going to get back. They're not going to get back. But I also think they've had more impact injuries than a club would normally have. And I wonder whether the contact-averse nature of their preseason has contributed to that, that they haven't been prepared to what the game was going to throw at them come rounds one, two, three, four.
2: The letter of the chairman last night, for for me, it was just full of platitudes and excuses. It carried the line, we're not going to tolerate performances of that nature and yet clearly they are it will turn for paul fitzpatrick wrote he made no effort to say how or when it was impossible to find any accountability in it and there was no appetite for change so uh, the west the west australians depiction as the three power brokers of western australian of western australian footballers as, as the three stooges but more particularly with their heads in the sand oh, i thought that was searingly accurate mark i don't know how you felt about that
5: yeah i think the west plays the man not the ball a little bit, and, I, and there's a lot of meat on this story, Jared. and you can get to the guts of the story without having to you know, demean and belittle people like that. So I, I didn't like that, um, but I know what you're saying. Um, if you look at the roles that these people are going to play in this, so the, the West Australian Football Commission does not view its role as walking into West Coast tomorrow and saying, you need to change the CEO, you need to change the coach. That will not be their role in this. Um, their role will be to stay in touch with West Coast, remind them that they have to pay a royalty, remind them of their obligations under their what is virtually a subletting arrangement. Um, the the WAC owns the license, but they basically sublet it to to West Coast. So that will be their role. Um, as far as Paul Fitzpatrick goes, I think Paul has been a little bit deluded all this year about where West Coast were at. He believed they would play finals with a good run with injury. I don't think any one else amongst us saw that in this group. I saw them with a good run with injury as maybe winning seven or eight games. And clearly they haven't had the the good run with injury. And Trevor, I believe is the one that the club has under the most pressure at the moment. They're looking at the environment of the club. It's always been a very stable club, um, which is great, but you get to a point where Trevor's loyalty to the people around him means there are a lot of people there because of their loyalty and not because they're cutting edge people in the AFL and I think to be clear on where West Coast are at more than anything else they are no longer a cutting edge AFL football club and that's what needs to change.
2: How big a problem is it kingy for the for the whole competition right now to have a team like that?
4: Yeah. Well this is what the competition sets up. The problem, the pro- I keep saying this, and this is not necessarily a
2: West Coast discussion. Yeah. There will always be this team, Jared. You can have the worst team in the comp, but this is something well below that. Well, Melbourne were pretty bad there for a while. They were, and it was problematic for. We brought maybe in the two. New,
4: we brought in the two new. T- we've always we've sort of in the last decade we've sort of had one, haven't we? No,
2: nah, I don't agree with that. I think there are moments where you. The, the two new franchises, that absolutely over. came Paul in. Paul Roos
4: took over. I think Melbourne's percentage was 53, or It was 54. probably in the
2: years leading into that. Yeah. So the that's, Dean Bailey year. Yeah, yeah. Well, when Roos took over. It, it is so they, problematic when this team materialises. And you could probably nail it down to, since Fitzroy, maybe one year of Melbourne and... Separate to the two new franchises because that was different. Well, that, yeah, I guess that's. What I'm saying there has. This, this been is the wealthiest and theoretically most powerful team, uh, club in the competition. With mm. a team out doing that.
4: Yeah, no, I, I'm. I'm not. You can't defend 170 points, here. So if that's what you're trying to get me to do, I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is, if you have one top 10 pick in 11 years. And, and and you and you get which is Andrew Gaff back in twenty ten last year's draft of Jimby Hewitt and Long looks okay at nine fourteen twenty, the are, uh, you can argue twenty twenty one, I think that the the argument around Tim Kelly is wrong. I think that you would take Tim Kelly still over and above Cooper Stevens, Jeremy Sharp, and Connor Stone, which are what those three picks have become. Um, twenty seventeen Brander is probably a blown pick at pick thirteen but they got Alan and Liam Ryan correct in the two picks after. So two out of three is not bad, as they say. So I think this is the problem with our, our code, is that it's impossible to stay at the top. And if you try and win multiple flags, you go all in. And the, the cliff is steep. Not many teams have fought the cliff successfully. Not many. And, and this is going to be... If you're worried about now, get real worried about next year. This is not the bottom of it i like heard you say this is, this the even in the call, this is as bad as, hey, strap yourself no, no, in. The
2: rebuild list hasn't been put together exactly, yet. Exactly, exactly. And it's the three years of pain coming. Do you think, Mark, that Trevor Nisbet and Adam Simpson will both be in their jobs for the round 24 game? I, I suspect the board's aim
5: with Trevor will be to shift in perhaps at the end of the season. He has a contract until 2024, but I suspect that, that they, they've had a look at that and said, no, we need change before then. Um, it would be drastic. You, you've got to be careful before you shift to CEO mid-season because you can leave the whole place rudderless. Um, you know, Adam's job is to look after a football team, but let's not forget there are a myriad of staff in a myriad of departments, and they all answer to the CEO, not the senior coach. So it's a, it's a big call to do that mid-season. Um, I think Adam is one more bad loss away, like a really bad loss, you know, a, a one hundred and twenty point plus loss. He's 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 one of them away from um, a, a very very serious conversation about whether it's time. And, and Kingy, the point you made about you know Adam and the club parting company, I think there was a point a few months ago where if you were advising Adam Simpson, you would have said, "Mate, go now," and there will be another senior coaching job for you if you go now. Now I don't see that. I think there's too much brand damage there with Adam now, and and I think Adam but he won't get another job. I don't think a senior job. I think I think he could get a senior assistants job, um, but I think this is this is historically bad, and I, and I tend to agree with Jared. You know, you're looking at a percentage like Fitzroy's. Um, you're looking at a percentage like GWS's in their first year when they were a mix of kids and and you know veterans who had seen better days. Um, and I accept all the arguments about the the player availability and that sort of thing, but Adams contributed to this a little bit, where to take on the weekend there's a classic selection that he makes on the weekend, and it's about preparation. If I forget whether these which one of these guys is the better player. Jack Williams has played three games in the waffle he he came off a ruptured spleen, he missed two and a half three months of training because he was seriously ill. um Harry Barnett there. Um, I think he was their third pick in the draft last year after uh, Jinby and Hewitt. He's played nine games in the waffle. He's a ruckman too. They play the same position. Jack Williams played and was gone before halftime, injured. Mm. Harry Barnett was a better prepared player. Forget who's the better player and who, who Adam Simpson thinks the better player is. Harry Barnett was better prepared to play an AFL game. And I think there's been a bit of that across the board. They've been clutching at straws going, he's really good, he's really talented, let's get him in there as opposed to who is physically prepared to play an AFL game of footy. Now, through, without having any choice about it, when they played Hawthorne in Launceston, they had five guys out there, and I stress he had no choice in this game, but they had five guys out there who were not physically prepared to play a game of AFL footy, and they got what they got. Um, the weekend was a bit different to that,
2: I think. Do you think Adam Simpson will see through the rebuilds? King. Well, you just got you
4: just got to work out what you believe, your own opinion, and it's fight or flight. He's a fighter, so you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sack him, or he's gonna have to feel like he's putting his family in a position that he doesn't want to put them. In the end, this is a job, right? And as soon as it impacts your family, you make you take a different course. So I, I know the man, and that's how he'll be thinking. He'll be saying, "You know, I can do this." I I know it's it looks awful to the outside, and he'd be hurting, but he'd be thinking he could still correct this. He's going to go through the. He's thinking I'm going through the rebuild. I'm charging through this until something happens, where it changes. Now that may change next week. Duff's spot on, and the, the the calls are coming thick and fast for him to be sacked, and that may happen. But that's not how Adam Simpson should be thinking, and it's not how he thinks because that's why they're the people they are. That's why they're the premiership coach and that's why they're the the, the elite players that they were because they they have a different psychology than than us from the cheap seats.
2: The big issue in footy after round 15 is the Eagles in crisis. Mark Duffield, thank you. We'll leave you to your SENWA audience. Thanks, guys. Pleasure being on your show. Continue with the means test next.
5: Yes, welcome back to the show or welcome to the show. Of course, we've done it differently today with West Coast in Crisis. We're coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio out here at Optus Stadium. We've just been talking to Jared Waitley and David King over in Melbourne. And now I'm talking to Paul Heath, my producer, who's got some text coming through on the temperate bedshed text line, which if you want to join in, is 0487 736 736. Or you can even give us a call on 13 12 55.
0: Good morning, Duff. Uh, What a weekend, hey? And uh, Rhonda was first on the text line as well, saying, hey, Duff, listening to the show this morning, two things stick out. Your rundown of the 2021 decision to play players makes sense, that maybe the injury crisis was brought about or made worse as a result, and the Eagles' lack of support for Jake. This is really sad and screams of deep internal issues. This is most alarming. Cheers, Rhonda.
5: Yeah, I wouldn't say deep internal issues. I would say a club in crisis. Mm. I think that they have got so much on their plate at the moment that Jake Waterman and his condition became an unforgivable oversight for them. They should have been more caring and they should have been more involved with that. And I think you can tell that the Waterman family is not particularly happy mm. with, with what has happened there. Um, and all we can say is we wish Jake well, because this is clearly um, a, a serious problem health matter that is going to have to be dealt with, and he's going to need a bit of luck. Mm. And hopefully if he gets that, he can get back out there and, and play footy and, and live a normal life. And if not, then, you know, it, it may be that it's a life re- that requires medication. So f- fingers crossed, and um, then hopefully Jake gets through.
0: Mm. Fingers crossed for him. Uh, Simon from Claremont saying, whose job is it to prepare the players to give 100% effort? The buck stops with Simpson. Disgraceful.
5: That was... If Adam Simpson has one or two more performances from his players like that before the end of the season, he's gone. Mm. Because the one thing that no club can accept mm. is a situation where the apparent effort is um, is below the standard that is required to play AFL footy. Now, what I would say, and I think David King made these points when we are talking to him earlier, what happens when you are stripped of confidence and manpower that sometimes your ability to play and and go to the contest instinctively and look like you're wholehearted Mm. gets diminished. And this is why Adam has to strip this back. It has to be about one, two or three key basic fundamentals and, and the real keys, the absolute um, non-negotiables have to be about effort. And if he can deliver on that, he's half a chance to get through. But if, if they turn it up again um, or are seen to be turning it up again, because no, no player goes out there and intends not to try. Yeah. It is just the state of mind that they're in, the state of mind that the team is in, sometimes it leads to them looking like that the way they looked. And it's unacceptable. Um, But he has to strip it back and simplify it as much as he can so that if nothing else they get effort, and and they are seen to be giving effort.
0: Mm. Uh, one more before we hit the news. Uh, West Coast are a disgrace. Saximo, they are in denial. Uh, own the fact they are just rubbish at the moment because the fans are jumping off the ship.
5: So this is the challenge that you have. When you've been in premiership contention, when are you no longer in premiership contention?
0: Yeah.
5: I believe that West Coast reached the point where they were no longer in premiership contention in 2021. They believed they were still there in 2022. And I just get the feeling that because 2022 was so ruined by COVID and injury, they felt that with luck, with their senior players staying out there, that they could be playing finals this year. Well, their chairman said they felt they could play finals this year. They were wrong and they got it wrong and they pushed on when they needed to back off and they needed to be more. If they had done that at, at the end of 2021, mm. then I think we're talking about a slightly different scenario. Um, if they hadn't done the Tim Kelly trade, and this is no disrespect to Tim Kelly who's played very well and was one of their better players in the weekend, but you know, three players for one player yeah. is what you're giving up. Um, and if they'd got the three young players, for example, that were West Australians that were on the table, Mitch Georgiades, Trent Rivers, Chad Warner, mm. if you have them and not Tim Kelly, and they're all fit and they're playing, you're in a better position than you would be in with Tim Kelly. So all these things roll into this. Every club that's been in the premiership window deals with this. West Coast haven't dealt with it well.
0: And there's intangibles that the young players bring as well, isn't there? You know, along with their skill and everything like that. Energy, enthusiasm.
5: Yeah, exactly. We'll take a break and uh, we'll be back after the news.
6: They have resisted making changes when they needed to some time ago, and something has to give. Something has to give after a performance like
5: that. Yes, Kane Corns on SEN today. Uh, I think we agree that there's going to have to be change at West Coast. I think what also is happening behind the scenes is that there is a growing appetite for change at West Coast, that the West Coast board, who I believe were very stoic and strong in their support of both their senior coach and their CEO, are starting to look at it, look at it now and they're saying, OK, there need to be changes made here. So in some way, shape or form, I think they'll be continuing to aggressively review their strength and conditioning operation. Um, I believe Trevin is, but is under mounting pressure and... As we've said earlier in the show, if there is another performance like that or another two performances like that, then Adam Simpson's uh, position at the club will go from shaky to pretty much untenable. What do you think? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. We'll take a break. And after the break, we'll come back and talk to Michael Barlow. Yes, Michael Barlow from his playing days at the Fremantle Dockers, of course. He was a pretty handy player, high-position midfield. I don't remember him kicking that many unbelievable goals, so that must have been one out of the box. Mick, welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, morning, Duff. Um, There was one, that was one, and I think I kicked another good one uh, in a derby. But um, that was about it, mate. Two, I'll take two, and that'll do.
5: Yep, but you did find the footy, mate. I remember that. You could have found the footy in a bloody lost dog's home, I reckon. You were, you were pretty good at doing that, uh, running, around, running up uh, big numbers around the midfield. Michael, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, what do you make of what happened with West Coast and Sydney on the weekend, the 171-point loss?
3: Yeah, it was pretty grim, wasn't it? Speaking of running up numbers, I actually played a game of local footy on the weekend, Duff. Um, so I pulled on the boots Yeah. Uh, 12 months after my last effort. So I don't, I don't play anymore, but I coach. Had the weekend off coaching, so I went and played Saturday afternoon uh, for Shepparton United, my junior club. Um, and I got off the track, finished the game and came in. I thought, i would check the scores. Um, and you had, to, you had to double check, didn't you? When you had a look at first glance, it was three-quarter time at the time and... Um, Yeah, it just looked horrible. And you must have thought that injuries had come again or um, a circumstance had had surrounded the Eagles again that was was largely out of their control. Um, But I think it's getting past that a little bit, isn't it? I I did listen to a bit of your your show this morning um, with Goss and Scotty Cummings and and, and Hayes. And and Hayes jumped on the the Victorian SEN and, and described the situation. And I think a lot of the commentary coming through now is you know, we're past the excuses or, or the excuses which the Eagles have have tried to shuffle to the back. They are coming out now um, uh, ad nauseam around what their circumstance is. But the facts were that their midfield really strong, as strong as it's been for, for the whole year on the weekend. They had Chewy, they had Kelly, they had Shee, they had Gap, um, they had Yo. You know, Bailey Williams has now played a fair bit of footy and, and probably been one of their better performers across the year. So... Um, yeah, not all of those players were were at a really low level on the weekend. A couple of them stood up. I thought Luke Chewy had a real go, um, but outside of probably a handful, um, yeah. Each week we're just getting exposed to the fact that um, there's eight to nine that aren't up to it, and, and the end of the season can't come quick enough.
5: So, can Adam Simpson survive this, in your view? Being a, a, a player, and you've been a player in strong teams and in and in weaker teams. Um, does it get to a point where you simply need to change the coach?
3: Um, I just don't think it serves a purpose at the moment in terms of what, what's going on with the club and um, you know, a, new, a new coach in the short term is um, going to be the same issue. So the availability is one thing. I think they'll get a few back in, in time, but you know, they're still going to be up against it with personnel um, for the rest of the year. I, I, Hayes summed it up really well. Um, listening to him this morning uh, with with Kane and Bucks on the Victorian S N around, all departments are right under the microscope, aren't they? So the coaching is one thing, um, and the list man. I'm, I'm interested to know how how in depth or how in touch with the list management decisions the coaching um, actually is involved with. There is an element of it, and there would be a connection, but largely you trust list management to get their job done and get get a um, competitive side and, and get that next wave of talent in. And it just hasn't come. There's been some circumstance around Daniel Venables um, and some other that's probably been taken away from that, that list management couldn't foresee. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think from a coaching, I do have empathy and and a, and a connection, I think, with what, what Adam Simpson's doing and how he's going about it. And I do feel that, that they've got to stick with him, in particular, for the rest of the year, because I don't think it serves the purpose bringing anyone else in now. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the, the jungle drums are betting. But from my point of view, uh, there needs to be a lift from the players, and I think that the post game from Adam Simpson, if players are sitting back and, and listening to that and thinking they can just go through the motions of training again this week and roll up to the game on the weekend against St Kilda, and um, you know that's all right. Adam Simpson will will take the brunt of it. They've got to pull their socks up and get to work because. Um, I think the time's come for a lot of these guys to actually um, yeah, open themselves up and, and commit to 100% effort.
5: If you are Adam Simpson this week and you were trying to find a spike, a, a, a redemptive performance when you play against St Kilda this weekend, what would you be doing? What, How would you strip this back to, to get a sustainable game plan given what you're likely to have on the park?
3: Yeah, I think, and even. And you'd be you could probably help me out, Duffy. In terms of in terms of players, like available to come back in? Is there a is there two or three that are coming back this week? Not are you really. Aware of that?
5: No, not, not really. really okay. So so the, the, we we thought that Jeremy McGovern might play last week, pulled up yeah. tight. Now the suggestion is that there might have been a little bit set a bit of a setback. Now we'll we'll have a watch on that during the week. But I think the feeling yeah. is that he might not play again this week. Shannon Hearn might be close ish. And Jamie Cripps is not far away, but given the amount of footy that Jamie Cripps has missed, maybe, you know, if they can, maybe should come back via the waffle. So in terms of the cavalry coming, no. And we also need to remember that Tom Barris had two head injury assessments on the weekend. So Mm. he'll be watched during the week as to whether he can play.
3: So, okay, that helps with my uh, next, next. I thought if there was two or three likely to come back in, statement would have needed to be made around selection, in, in my opinion. I think the name everyone's looking at at the moment is Andrew Gaff, who's, who's been rolled down on, on form along with a lot of his teammates, obviously. But I know they've only got two or three in the waffle. You've probably just got to put the hand up and say, look, let's play Zane True on a wing and let's, let's actually make a bit of a statement here. We love Andrew Gaff and we know what he's done for a long time for us. Is this something that just exposes... Um, the rest of the group to understand um, from a coach. Yes, well, they don't have many levers to pull, but he is a lever we pull. one of our most highly credentialed players, a uh, player that's played a lot of footy for us, a player that's down on touch at the moment and wouldn't be playing if we were, if he was playing this way in a, in a side that had 32 to 34 available players. Um, so there's, there's that lever that he, he can pull and people will say, well, there's only two or three playing in the waffle that are up to it. Well, You've got to try something and you've got to try and get... Um, a response in some way. Training, oh, I did think about this today. It's like, what do you do in terms of your, your review and, and how do you go about the week in terms of training? I'd imagine they've tried a lot of things already. So they would have tried little circuit breakers, like not doing the review and, and getting down to the beach or, or going bowling or just doing a team activity or whatever it might be. If they haven't been doing that, doing that as simplistic as that sounds, that's something you do need to investigate to be able to kind of get a spike and, and, and get some morale around the group and, and understand that you're in this together. Um, so there's a couple of opportunities there. I'd imagine they've tried a lot of things. I think the main one we keep coming back to is okay, they haven't got many levers of selection to pull. Um, but yeah, something needs to give I think with some one of their one or two of their more experienced senior players that just start delivering.
5: Yeah, it's a good call. They need to send a strong message. And if there are very few options and they still are able to send the message with whatever option they have, then that message gets sent and it may be one that the senior players may heed. Hey, got a text in. Uh, Roy wants to know, how did the marathon go with your sister? <laughs>
3: uh, did the, the marathon. That was back in January, uh, around New Year's. I went to, <laughs> went to Hobart and, and ran the marathon. Uh, with my sister, and she um, she got her target time. She got about four hours. I wanted to do a sub three hour duff, and I, I did. I was aware that the Hobart Marathon would be a little bit more, uh, a bit more of an incline than what I've been training for. But the last six Ks absolutely torched me, and um, I was lucky to finish in the end. But I got a three hour seven minute, which wasn't too bad. Um, but I'll look to to go back and and do a better time at some stage in the um, in the future. Enjoyed it though.
0: Michael
5: Barlow, thanks so much for joining us on the show. I hope you pulled up well after your game of footy on the weekend and thanks for your input uh, on the show this morning and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. It's Michael Barlow, of course. He's now the coach of the Werribee in the VFL. He's a former Dockers star and uh, Suns player as well. We'll take a break and uh, be back with more after the break. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. This is a show about West Coast in crisis in the wake of their 171-point loss. Sydney at the weekend. It is their fourth loss by more than 100 points in the last eight games. It is their 12th loss in a row by more than 40 points. We've got a lot of text coming through on the temperate bedshed text line about the issue. You can have your say as well on 0487 736 736. Let us know what you're thinking or feeling about this. One person who definitely had his say in the West Australian newspaper this morning was my old colleague Craig O'Donoghue. Wrote a very strong column basically saying that Adam Simpson, if he was coaching anywhere else in the world, would be sacked. I've got Cod on the show now to let us know why he wrote that column. Cod, welcome.
1: How you going, Duff? It's
5: been a big weekend, mate. Uh, obviously, very strong column by you today. Tell us your reasons for writing it.
1: I just don't think there's any sport in the world where a club would accept what's been happening at West Coast. You can't have four 100-point losses in eight weeks, and the 171-point loss, which was the fourth greatest loss in BFL slash AFL history, and not do something. They keep saying it's unacceptable, and but they don't then say as a result of it being unacceptable we're going to take action. The only person who seems to have action taken against him is Xavier O'Neill who gets dropped every single time he plays. Everyone else is OK to just keep meandering along through what's happened. So the buck has to stop with someone over the fact that Every single year there's been a problem with this list management or recruiting or injuries or form or all these different things, And but no one is going to pay a price. The fact that Ken Hinckley doesn't have a contract next for next year at the moment at Port Adelaide, and but everything at the West Coast is okay when they're on the bottom of the ladder and getting bogged every single week, something has to change, and they're not prepared to make any changes.
5: So devil's advocate... If you sack Adam Simpson and you install, let's say, Jared Schofield, who would be one of the senior assistant coaches there, what, what does it achieve with their current injury list?
1: So at the moment it doesn't achieve anything from, from a week-to-week situation. But what it says is that someone's going to be held accountable for the problems that have occurred at the club over the many years, which is built up to this. So if you're continually recontracting players who are injured and then they remain injured then you're not going to have players available to select from. You're continually blaming other people for the standards that you've set at your club. And we look back and we say, well, they didn't do anything about Junior Ioli when he had his uh, court case uh, when he was on suspension, they said, no, we're happy to welcome him back to, to the club. They weren't all that upset about Jack Darling coming out and issuing a statement when he didn't want to get vaccinated, saying, I'm not, this isn't the reason why I'm not at the club. It's a, it's a workplace issue. They've got all these other... Uh, the, the, when Kane Corns came out and said, they were fat, no, we're not fat. We, our standards haven't slipped. Well, the next year they say, oh, our standards did slip. So there's always something going on about what's acceptable, and they tend to accept a lot of things that they then say are unacceptable, they don't make any changes about that. So I think that the the standards, what they've been um, prepared to put up with over so many years has led to this debacle, and someone's in charge of that. And if it's the buck stopping with the coach, as we all expect, then why is the coach immune?
5: A lot of what you're talking about sounds like Adam Simpson's loyalty to his 2018 premiership group. Has he been too loyal? Has he been too enamoured with them? Has he allowed them to take too many liberties, do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely, I think. And you can see how that happens over the years with coaches fall in love with the guys who take them to the ultimate prize. So it would be extremely challenging for anyone to, to walk away from those players. But that's part of your job, isn't it? To make sure that you make the, the appropriate decisions long-term to put yourself into the best position to be competitive week in, week out. And they clearly didn't think this was coming when they recontracted. Simpson a couple of years back for five years, they wouldn't have said, oh, we think we're going to be on the bottom of the ladder in 2023 and be struggling in 2022. They were still talking about it being a quick bounce last year, saying, oh, we'll be okay. And now all the talk is, oh, no, we're in the pit, it's going to be a long road back. Well, they haven't prepared for this. They didn't see this coming. And if your vision for the future is so far away from what it actually is, then it's a problem.
5: So when you were watching it unfold on the weekend, Cod, what were you thinking? What were you What were you thinking as you were seeing this unfold? The lack of effort, the lack of intensity, the scoreboard just mounting relentlessly. I think Sydney were 100 points in front at the 14-minute mark of the third quarter.
1: The first 30 seconds was concerning because it was like, hang on, you expect them to at least put up an effort to start the game. And they've been saying, well, we, we, once we get our, our star midfielders back, we'll be all okay in the middle. Well, they're getting flogged out of the middle constantly now with those guys there. So you're thinking, well, this isn't good. and the, the Lack of tackling and lack of, of, of pressure. When the game is on the line early and you go, well, there's something off here. This just isn't going to work. And then it just became out of control. And it was one of those ones where you're thinking, could they actually lose by 200, we were saying at one point, because that was how bad it was looking. So it was shocking to watch. And your immediate reaction is, well, there's going to be fallout. There's going to be something happen here. No coach can survive this in world sport. Um, and it took less than 24 hours for them to say, no, the coach is fine. They hadn't even reviewed the game at that point, I wouldn't have thought. They wouldn't have had time to complete that. So it just looked like a disaster unfolding in front of everyone's eyes. And it's something that we haven't seen before, I mean, the, the, I think it was 1979 was the only other one where I've been alive where a team has lost by that I amount. Mean, that was three. So we certainly haven't seen 171-point demolition um, of a footy team uh, in, in, since I've been alive. So uh, it's not something that we're will likely to see into the future, I would have thought, either. So if you're not going to make a statement when you lose by that much, then you're always going to improve, aren't you? They're not going to lose by 171 this week, so they're going to go forwards.
5: If you're the list manager at West Coast, I'll, I'll give you some names of senior players. You tell me whether they're there next year or not, if you're the list manager. So, Shannon Herm, I'm assuming gone?
1: Gone, yep. Luke Shuey? Gone. Nick Natanui? They have to pay him out with the contract, but clearly he, uh, but he's not playing, so he has to go. Um, Andrew Gaff? Gone. Jack Darling? Darling's probably one, and I'd, I'd be inclined to keep just because they lack enough key forwards in, in general to um, to be able to be competitive and allow uh, some of the other younger ones to, to develop. So I think he's one who might you might survive.
5: How many list changes do you see West Coast making at the end of this season?
1: Last week I said about eight, um, but uh, and then it'll be interesting to see where they go even harder uh, because yeah, when you see these sorts of results continually happening, they're now finding out the players who they thought might be good enough to play are actually just depth players who are never going to have a real impact on the list and, and can't handle the level. So uh, it might get even bigger than what we thought a couple of weeks back.
5: Yeah, I still think eight's the number. I think it's hard to do more than that and and, and get meaningful improvement anyway. So um, I'm guessing eight is still about the right number. Craig, it was fascinating reading your column today. It was a really strong column. You, uh, you put it all out there and, and had a really strong view, which is what columns are supposed to be about. That was in the West Australian newspaper today. Thanks for joining us on the show.
1: No worries. Have a good day, everyone.
5: Craig O'Donoghue, he is a senior sports writer at the West Australian newspaper. Give us your thoughts on his column. You can do that on the Temperate Bedshed text line on 0487-736-736, or you can call on the open line on 131255. It's time for some news. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot Studio for the second hour of the show this morning getting a lot of text coming through on the Temperate bench head text line on the Eagles so that is 0487 736 736 if you want to have your say and uh, Paul Heath is with me in the studio we're going to get through a few of them at the moment
0: It's all positive stuff out there Duff that is for sure. Uh, we'll start with Luke saying I know this doesn't align with uh, most of the media's pro-Victorian agenda but the AFL must give West Coast Eagles a priority pick all list mismanagement is self-inflicted that's not an excuse. If West Coast are as bad as everyone says they are, hint they are then the AFL must act. It's by Thanks, Luke.
5: Yeah, look, it's a good point. If I'm West Coast, I'm asking the question. Uh, you have to ask the question in the interest of your own club. I, I think it's, I, I, don't, I don't... I'm, I'm not... Mm. I'm not a great one in favour of, you know, priority picks and, and those sorts of things. Uh, I, I do think the draft will tend to take care of this. And if you look at the hand that West Coast is likely to take to this draft, particularly if they split the Harley Reid pick, mm. which they're almost certain to have... Mm then I think it will be a very strong draft hand. And you still, whether you give them priority draft picks or not, you've still got that time lapse between when you get the kids and when they become functional yeah. and powerful AFL players. But if you're the Eagles, you know, your, your, your interest is your football club and you have to act in the interest of your football club. So if I'm West Coast, I'm definitely at least asking the question mm. and putting the request in.
0: I think they should. I don't think they will, though, um, because it's, it's an admission, isn't it, of how, ba- of how bad things are in a way, to ask for that sort of help. And I don't know if they're still realistic about what's on their doorstep.
5: No, I think they are now. Yeah. I I think what the weekend did, Mm. I I had a conversation with Paul Fitzpatrick. He was in a cab on the way to the airport. He stressed at the the top of the conversation that, you know, he was making absolutely no comments. I won't go into too much detail about what was said, but I got the distinct impression through that conversation that there was – um it was almost like the penny had dropped like a sledgehammer mm. uh in in through the course of that game this is really bad there is not going to be a second half of the season resurrection here um this is going to be a long fight to get through and out of this i yep. I, I certainly um you know just more from the tone mm. than the words he said okay. I, I i got the feeling he was shattered and i got the feeling that he was genuinely alarmed at where the club found itself.
0: The Eagles have become a club that excels in mediocrity. They sold the farm to get Kelly. It's all been downhill since the reaction of uh, Simpson and the players when they moved into the COVID bubble.
5: Yeah, I, I do think that if, you, if we're going to level a criticism at Adam Simpson, I think the first one is that he became too enamoured with the 2018 Premiership Group. Mm. Um, and I think that those guys... Some of them have taken liberties. So I think that they've allowed stand. They are the ones that are supposed to be driving standards at the club. They're the ones that are supposed to take young players under their wings and say and say to them, "This is what is required for you to be an AFL player." Like someone, one of their midfielders should be taking Xavier O'Neill under his wing, for example, and saying, Xavier. You've been in and out of this team for four years now. If you want to get in and stay in this team, you come with me and I will show you how to prepare to be an AFL player. I will talk to you about your gifts and your assets that you bring Mm. to this team that enable you to get in this team and stay in this team. And they all should be doing that. You know, um, Tom Barris and Jeremy McGovern should be doing that for Harry Edwards and Josh Rotham. Nick Nui should be doing that for Bailey Williams and Jack Williams and Harry Barnett. Um, they all should be doing this. They should be driving and setting and guiding standards for the young players. Has that happened? I think this, this senior group got a little bit... Self-indulgent, and, and we heard Jeremy McGovern front the media at the start of the twenty twenty two seasons, and he said, "He said I think we've let our standards slip." He said that. Um, it was in a press conference. I was there. It was yeah. down at it was down at Mineral Resources Park. He said it. He, and these are not inexperienced guys. How how did they let their standards slip? How did they allow this to happen? That's the question for the player group to answer. And I think. Luke Shuey put it on him after the game. I, th- I think Luke Shuey took the took the players into a room after the game, and there was a very frank conversation took place, mm. I believe. And I, and the you you can only think that the the main thrust of that conversation was towards the senior players who hadn't delivered because the the centre clearance count at quarter time on the weekend was seven two. Mm. Tom Hickey had the first two clearances which resulted in Sydney goals inside the first two minutes of the game. Now, it didn't help that Bailey Williams, who's probably their most improved player this year, had air swings mm. at the, the first two ruck knocks. But at the end of the day, that was a strong center clearance crew as West Coast have had inside the centre square at the start of any game this season. And there are minus two goals at the two minute mark of the first quarter. And they are minus 52 points at quarter time. And Luke Shuey, who'd started at back, has had to go in there. Um, Andrew Gaff on one wing playing on a young player. He's had one disposal. Um, J- Bray, Jaden Hunt on the other wing has had five disposals. The two players that they were on, Braden Campbell and Errol Goulden. Errol Goulden's had 11 and kicked two goals. Braden Campbell's had nine and delivered the laser drop punt that found Logan McDonald for his second goals. These are senior players. These are players that the junior players at West Coast are looking to, to give them guidance, to set standards, Mm. to set the agenda. And I hope that what Luke Shuey said in that room Mm drove that home mm. and you would hope that you see a real spike in performance this week. Because if you don't, Paul Fitzpatrick can put out a statement if he likes and can say, we're behind the coach, but the coach is dead in the water. Yeah, It's not a matter of when, uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, mm. unless they can fix that intensity and effort.
0: Uh, just on Barras uh, when you mentioned him there, is,
5: is it usual to have two concussion
0: tests? Uh
5: if the first one he passes the first one, yep. and then they look at him and they think he's not right, or okay. if he gets another knock,
0: right, Yeah.
5: then yeah, I mean, it was every time you get a head knock, you're supposed to have a HIA. Yeah. So I, I'm my only. Um, assumption can be that he had two head knocks. Okay, I saw him get one mm. and he looked a bit dazed yep. um, and then disappeared for a while and then saw him later in the game and apparently there was another HIA later. So okay. if he's concussed, he ain't playing next week either.
0: Yeah. Uh, from John, uh, do they need to split the national recruiting manager and list manager role again like it was pre-Rowan uh, pre- O'Brien taking on both roles?
5: Uh, I think ideally, yes. Yeah, uh, I think that... Um, uh. I think they have, the, these are two of the most important roles at the club. And when you look at where West Coast are at now and when you look at what is required going forward, the, the list manager and the recruiting manager and the development coaches mm. will be as important as any people at the club. And those people need to be on their game. They need to be focused on their task. And they also need to have a voice. You cannot have these guys being overruled by the senior coach. You Mm. cannot have these guys being overruled by the chief executive. You cannot have these guys being overruled by the football manager. They need to have their say. They need to take their choices. They need to make their decisions, and those decisions need to be held. They need to be backed. Mm. And if they're not, West Coast is even in more trouble in the mid to long term than they are in now. Mm.
0: Uh, Dave joining us uh, West Coast need to start games with young players in the midfield Jimby isn't a defender Give the kids time to develop Pick midfielders in the draft Kick the ball more when they get it Don't overuse it
5: Yeah, no, I'd be going the other way on that, Dave I would be trying to settle Ruben Jimby across halfback You know what I want Ruben Jimby to do this year? I just want him to play I just wanted to play footy. I want him to have a simple role with a simple set of KPIs that he has to deliver on, um, and and let him play and let him develop, and then let him get another preseason into himself. There's a couple of things. Rubens had an exceptional year given the circumstances he's been thrust into. I think he's been a very admirable first year player in the system. He's absolutely justified the top 10 pick Mm. they spent on him, but there are a few things in his game that he needs to work on. He needs to be better with the ball in his hands. He needs to be a bit more proactive. He's got a big, strong body rather than just waiting and laying tackles. He needs to crash in and win the ball a bit more. Um, That's it's not even a criticism, it's just an observation yep. of where he's at. He's a young player, he's doing a good job, um, but let him settle. They've asked a hell of a lot mm. already <laughs> Big time. of Reuben Jinby yep. in his first year. You look at Elijah Hewitt on the weekend. Elijah Hewitt has 16 disposals, he delivers the ball to Jack Darling with a nice. Um, he saw him and he hit him. Mm. And you go. That's nice. That's a good trait. Yep. You know. That's that's what you want in one of your your early draft picks as a young player. He showed a good explosiveness around the contest. That's what you want. Mm. And don't expect too much of them. Um, send them in for the odd centre clearance. Um, but above all, you know, make sure that the role you set for them is within their scope as a first year player.
0: Mm. Matt uh, and Bill Davis. Uh, before we take a break, uh, to say the Eagles don't do anything isn't disingenuous. They've changed assistant coaches, they've changed the fitness staff. They don't sit on idle hands. If they have cut all the older players, like Captain Hindsight says, they would be in the same position as they are now with them being injured. They were hoping with the new fitness team to get them through and give the younger players time in the waffle to grow. We know that. Best laid plans.
5: We we know that injuries have been a massive part of what's happened mm. at West Coast this year. But don't forget, we're talking about a two-year pattern here we're talking about the the point from when they were 8 and 5 in the 2021 season and they lost 7 of their last 9 games they've won 5 of 45 i think it is since there this is not just about this year it's not just about last year when covid got them as well um it's about that 2021 season the back end of it it was it's about the fact that in 2021 they didn't just lose games they lost them badly mm. They started losing games really badly. And if the game if they weren't able to get the game on their terms, they would turn up their toes and go away quietly into the night. That was a pattern in twenty twenty one. Their premiership window was done Mm. in twenty twenty one. Now how much easier would that be making it for them now? Maybe that's they're still 1 and 13, but maybe the losses, maybe they've had a couple of 20 point losses and maybe they've only had one 100 point loss. And maybe they've had a few losses that are in that, that 10 to 30 range where you walk off and you go, well, that's disappointing, but we could see what they were trying to do. Mm. That just hasn't been evident for three months now. Yeah. And that's the real problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, plenty of time to get your texts in if you'd like to join in on the conversation. Join in on the temperate bedshare text line, 0487 736, 736 And we'll have some more of them after this upcoming break, Off. Yep. Back after the break.
2: I don't reckon he was thinking about the free kick. I just think he was just
4: feeling it. And he ran, ran forward here. Keep an eye on the glasses here.
2: This is, uh, they go pretty quickly. Thank God. <laughs>
4: ben Case grabbed him from the back. You
2: ne- never, never hit a
5: guy with glasses? Was that, was that something you learned as a kid? Bit of argy-bargy between Adelaide and big Mason Cox on the weekend. Mason does play with a fair bit of swagger. Mm. I would have thought that um, those glasses, to some players who suffer from white line fever, would almost look like a target sign, yeah. I reckon. it
0: Became that for sure, didn't it? Uh, fine in the mix as well, I think, there. But $3,000 glasses, so you gotta be very careful with them.
5: Yes, and... Um, what a performance by Collingwood. What a performance by Adelaide.
0: Oh, yeah. Adelaide has lost to
5: Collingwood by a total of three points either yep. in two games. Yeah. So
0: uh, they what, what do you take from two close losses like that when you have pushed a team that is that good that far? You've had the opportunity to get over the line. I but... think
5: you take the both thing out of the same thing out of both losses, and yep. that is that our best is good enough. Mm. Um, and that's the the real thing you want to underline with your players, but also against Collingwood, you cannot stop mm. playing. Yep. And Adelaide twice have tried to guard leads, and you cannot do that against Collingwood. Yeah. Collingwood's set up to play against teams who are guarding leads. It's why they come from behind so often. It's why they're successful in that position. You have to just say, we're going to continue to play the way we've been playing, and if that means we get beaten, we get beaten. But if we stop playing, we will get beaten. Mm. So therefore, we have to continue playing.
0: Uh, Graham from Padbury with a bit of a correction for us saying, hey Duff, West Coast has split the list manager and recruiting manager role. Dwayne Massey was made head of recruiting and O'Brien is still list manager.
5: Yeah, no, good point.
0: That is a a very good point out there as well. Uh, We've got a couple more here. I wanted to get to uh, Luke's text. And of course, it's every time you have a look, it disappears in front of you. He said, Dove further to my earlier text, re Priority Picks. It's titled Deep Analysis from Kane Corns and others. What levers do they think West Coast Eagles could or should have actually pulled at the back end of 2021? Chesser, bad pick, should have gone Johnson. Only other thing they could have done was to trade a Yo or Gaff, but would have just produced another kid. Love to hear exactly what they should have done, as I haven't heard anything that makes sense so far. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, I think what West Coast is
5: dealing with is the perfect list management storm. And and it starts all, going all the way back to 2019 when Daniel Venables got hurt. And, and I think it also goes back to the, the Tim Kelly trade. And I stress to all the people out there that love Tim Kelly, I've got nothing against the, the footy that Tim Kelly has played. Tim Kelly has kept his end of the bargain. It's just three potential players for one player. And I know why they did it, because they felt they were in the window and they felt he would add to their chances of winning a flag. But when we look back on it now... You sort of go well. The club had to stay in contention, and they didn't. They they played finals in 2020, but they were out um, after the first week, so that's not really in contention. And then from 2021 onwards, they haven't been in contention. So there's there's that. There's Daniel Venables' injury. There's Junior Rioli's drug infraction. Um, there's the Tim Kelly trade. There's the Andrew Gaff two plus four contract. You know they they felt really bad for Andrew Gaff at the end of 2018. Um, he'd missed. The premiership because of the suspension after that incident with Andrew Brayshaw, I think there was a feeling of you know that they wanted, would they want him to feel like he belonged? There was uh, there was big money on offer for him. Um, in hindsight, they would have been better off letting him go. Now all these decisions are made in hindsight, whereas West Coast make them going forward. We 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 make them looking back. So a lot of clubs make these mistakes. But this is where this perfect storm has developed. You know, Brad Shepard's concussion issues, um, another one, and then you have the the myriad of injuries on top of that. You know, Elliot Yeo's osteitis pubis, Nick Natanui's knees and Achilles, uh, Luke Shuey's soft tissues. Um, you know, Shannon Hearn this year has just gotten old. Uh, Jeremy McGovern, hamstring off the bone, bad back injury last year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. But Jamie Cripps has broken ankle. Mm. Um, a lot of this is about injury. But if we're looking at the, the little things around the corner that turn this into, turn this from 14 players on your injury list, bad situation, um, losing games every week but not by enormous amounts, into 20 players on your injury list, no one to pick from, no, no pressure at selection, um, diabolical losses happening every week. The, these are the little things around the edges that turn the bad situation in the into the unmitigated disaster mm. they have
0: now. And just before the news, Greg from Les Murdy is saying, is West Coast Board even capable of bringing them out of this mess? It feels like they aren't footy people, just ex-lawyers, politicians, uh, utmost respect for what they achieved in their field, but don't think they understand the game.
5: Look, there's an element of that. Don't forget Rowan Jones is on the board. Rowan Jones is a premiership player. He's a very astute business person as well. He he's sort of... um crosses the boundaries, if you like, of that football now and also business now. Don't forget Trevor Nisbet sits on the board. Trevor Nisbet has been, you know, was one of the best football managers. if not the best football manager in the AFL in the 1990s, so he understands the caper. He's always been a strong football CEO. The question with Trevor, obviously, is has he been there too long? Trevor's strong suit has always been loyalty. He's very loyal to the people who are loyal to him, Mm. but are the people loyal to him necessarily cutting-edge people in AFL football these days, West Coast current situation would say they probably aren't. Mm. Um, So it might be time for for Trevor to move on. But I think Trevor has a lot of love and care for the West Coast Eagles football club. I think if he um, resigns himself to the notion it is his time and Mm. his time is up, I suspect he will want to leave a legacy where he's got the club in the best situation possible. So Trevor's view at the moment is that they need to draft um, and I think that's right. I think when you're down where they are, you trade for show and you draft for dough. Mm. And I would urge them to stay the course with that. If someone falls off the back of a truck in the preseason draft or in a free agency deal, take them by all means, take them. But um, your next crop of contending players for a premiership comes from the top end of the draft, mm. and that's what West Coast need to do this year next year and probably the year after as well.
0: Mm, Yeah, Duff, it's been all doom and gloom so far this morning, but let's try and give a little bit of hope uh, for Eagles fans out there because after the news, we're going to be joined by WA State Talent Manager Adam Jones, He's going to update us about the State 18s. They had a great win against uh, South Australia on the weekend. They had a bit of a down performance in their first game, but he's going to give us a bit of an idea of what might be out there for the West Coast Eagles fans if they are heading to the draft as hard as they should be.
5: And five players we're going to ask Adam about, and uh, you'll find out who they are after the break. Give us your thoughts on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or call us on the open line 13 12 55. This is mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA.
2: If I
4: was Adam Simpson, I would would be having a weekly conversation with myself, um, with my family about... What's next? Because I don't. It's not doing his. Um, it's not doing his brand any good at all. And it's and it's. He's he's clearly not able to help the West Coast Eagles at the moment.
5: Nathan Buckley, with the thoughts of a person who's been in the coach's chair, of course, uh, Bucks, Adam Simpson's adversary in the 2018 Grand Final, is when he was coach of Collingwood, and uh, yeah, let's not forget people that uh, as we're chewing through this issue and talking about people's futures that we are still talking about people and uh, Adam Simpson certainly I think would be, that would be weighing very heavily on his mind whether he thinks he can do this or not what effect does it have on him what effect does it have on his family. We'll take a break and be back with WAC Talent Manager Adam Jones after the break. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot Studio. Massive show today. Of course, West Coast in the pit, as Adam Simpson has described them. The club in crisis. Will Adam survive? Will CEO Trevor Nisbet survive? Will other key club figures survive? Because it looks like there may need to be a big overhaul through that club. Uh, a lot of your messages coming through on the Temper at Bedshed text line today on West Coast. Uh, keep them coming. 0487 736 736. So brighter news for West Australia at the weekend. Our State 18s, after a very disappointing performance first up against the Allies, had a stronger performance in their second game against South Australia as the curtain raiser to the Fremantle-Essendon game at Optus Stadium. And to talk about that, we have State Talent Manager Adam Jones in uh, joining us on the show. Adam, Welcome morning, Duff. Thanks for having me on. Sounds like you've got a special comments person there with you as well, Adam. Yeah,
6: my little daughter's in the background, so she's just pottering around, but she'll be okay.
5: She'll probably make more sense than both of us anyway. <laughs> exactly. um, so a good win by West Australia. An interesting positional change done for this game. The, the person that many of us think will be the, the top West Australian picked at the National Draft later in the year, Daniel Curtin played as a midfielder and not as a power defender in this one.
6: No, absolutely. Um, we, we felt um, we, we got really beaten up around the ball um, in game one versus the Allies. Their, their running power and um, the strength around the ball um, really hurt us. So um, Daniel, who'd been playing a little bit of midfield for Claremont in the Colts uh, and looking quite reasonable, he'd actually been really wanting to get in the midfield. Our yeah, training, your team... Uh, sitting around all the stoppage structure, training stuff, just listening in. Um, so he sort of got his wish as well, um, and it really helped the team out on the day.
5: So 26 disposals, six clearances. Can he translate into a big-bodied AFL midfielder, or do you still see him as a key position player at that level, Madam?
6: I think um, we, we know he's going to be able to play a key position, and I think he's, he's on track to be able to be a, a very strong midfielder as well. Uh, he, he can run. He's got he's got a good tank, um, which which can be a limiting factor for midfield. But we know he's got that. Um, he's, he's really learning the stoppage craft uh, at a rapid rate. And um, and I think if he can get his, his um, sort of spread and run uh, to a midfield level, there's there's no doubt he could play that role at the le- next level.
5: Now clearly West Coast are the topic of the day with the crisis that has engulfed the club well pretty much over the last two years but certainly rock bottom hit at the weekend with the one hundred and seventy one point loss to Sydney at the scG. But my feeling is is if West Coast can translate the number one pick in the draft into three top 20 picks, they should do it and I believe there will be five, West Australians who will be in that region that they could pick if they wanted to go local. Clearly, Daniel Curtin is one of them. The other four, I would suggest, are um, Mitch Edwards, Colton Tholstrop, Riley Hardiman and Clay Hall. Tell us how they went on the weekend.
6: Yeah, I think you you got all the right names there. Um, Those those boys performed really well. We probably had... um, yeah, a good sort of dozen boys play well, and, and the five that you mentioned were, were in the mix. Clay Hall probably led from the front with the 35-disposal, 30, nine-clearance game. Uh, son of Derek Hall, he, he's a running machine and, and he worked really hard all day. Uh, his connection with Mitch Edwards in the ruck, and they played a lot of footy together at Peel Thunder. Um, so that was clearly visible um, with, with yeah, the, the hit out to advantage to Clay. Um so sort of really helping the team. I think we'll plus 20 in the clearances for the day. So that was that was um, really dominant. Um, Riley Hardeman, yeah, cross-half back, uh, had the 20 touches and, and looked um, a super player on the day. He's really improved his, his intercept marking. Uh, he's always had speed and run and carry from defence, but he's added this uh, intercept marking to his game, which, which I think will really appeal to AFL clubs. Uh, and then Colton... Who, who missed our first game. He was close to playing um, with injury and then came in. Um, and I think recruiters were really wanting him to see uh, him play a really strong game. He's, he's played uh, league football, and he's probably more playing a, a really important role at league level, uh, not not as as much showing his individual flair. Uh, but he finished with, with 20 touches and a goal on the weekend. and was pivotal in, in helping um, that midfield forward connection. Uh, he was used uh, as, as that lead up quite often and he showed composure and class and skill throughout the day. So, yeah, after our first game, Duff, I, I might have uh, questioned whether we'd, we'd have that many um, looking sort of towards that first round, but, uh, but they really stepped up on the weekend and if they can continue that, I've got no doubt there'll be some attractive prospects for that first round, as you mentioned.
5: What about some of the other names that we haven't talked about so much? Because those names have been talked about a lot. Were there players that bobbed up for you on the weekend that you that you liked and maybe coming into draft calculations?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one, one player and West Coast supporters will be pleased to hear that uh, Oscar Hine-Baston, uh, one of their next-generation Academy players, uh, he's, he's come in and, and played as a small defender and he's been outstanding over the first two games. Um, you can see that he's got tremendous speed and his, his ability to shut down um, dangerous small forwards has been a real highlight over the first two weeks. So he, he's won. He, he had a job on South Australia's dangerous small forward and, and basically kept him touchless uh, for the first half. I think the player was able to get a late goal uh, in, the, in the last quarter that he's gone really well. Uh, young bottom major, um, uh, Bo Allen, had the job on um, Moya one of the top-rated forwards for, for South Australia, and he did a terrific job on him, kept him goalless and, and impactless. Um, so those two boys are fantastic. We, we, we brought in a couple of other 19s, uh, Joseph Fonte and Riley Wills, uh, and for a first game, those two um, were, were really pleasing, and you, you hope they can build build on that. Uh, over the next two games. And then uh, another regular name uh, in the AFL circles, uh, O'Driscoll, um, this, this one of the Aiden variety. He, he was fantastic on the weekend. He was really quiet game one, um, but his work ethic we felt in game one was, was was up there, but he just didn't get the reward. But on the weekend, he got the reward with 20 touches and a goal as well. Uh, and he, he was pivotal um, throughout the day. In linking up and um, and providing some some forward pro- uh, pro- propulsions uh, from our from our defenses in midfield. So, no, we had a number of winners on the day, so which was pleasing.
5: And another West Coast um, NGA prospect is Cohen Livingston. Is that right? And uh, how, how did he go?
6: Now Cohen was was great. He. Um, He's, he's had a really strong impact at Colts level, and you know the, the question always is, can they translate at, at national championships? And uh, his work in the ruck, uh, we, we sort of Mitch Edwards got a corky throughout the game, and um, was a little bit sore and spent a bit more time forward. So Carl went into the ruck, but we didn't lose anything. And yeah, his, his ability to connect with the Rovers is, is his absolute strength. Um, he got his hands to a, a number of balls in the air, and if he can if he can start holding those marks, um, he's going to be some player. He, he kicked the goal, um, and and had a hand in in a couple of others. So yeah, it was a, it was a good day for for Cohen.
5: Evan Smith was I think was he left out on the on the weekend, Adam? I've I've, I've had recruiters tell me that they are really excited about Evan Smith, and that, and they view him as a very draftable player.
6: That's right. We, we, we're blessed this year with um, you know guys like Cohen, um, Evan, Luke, Kentfield and, and Mitch Edwards. So, yeah, sort of uh, we, we've gone in with a mindset that we're probably going to have to give these guys a little bit of a rotation. Um, so, yeah, so he was the unlucky one this weekend. But, um, yeah, he'll come back into frame um, over our last two games as well.
5: What sort of number do you think is draftable at the end of the season? What, what sort of number are you looking at at the moment?
6: Uh, it's still, still early doors and if the boys can continue in the vein that they did on the weekend, um, it sort of you know, hopefully gets you around that 10 to 12 mark as a minimum and then yeah, depending on, on the next couple of weeks, um, hopefully we can push up above those numbers.
5: Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Obviously very topical at the moment with West Coast likely to to dig very deep at the national draft this year. And it's great to hear that our boys had a big win over the South Aussies.
6: No, absolutely Duff. Very pleasing for the guys, so hopefully they can keep it going. Thanks for having me on.
5: Adam Jones, he's the WA State Talent Manager. Of course, very good win for our eighteens against the Crow Eaters at Optus Stadium on the weekend. We'll take a break uh, break, sorry, and be back to close up the show. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. We're just closing up the show. Lots
0: of texts to get through. Paul Heath with me in the studio. Paul? Uh, this one's saying also what list changes could have been made at uh, or should have been made at the end of 2021 that weren't. Gaff, Darling, Yo, McGovern, Shuey, Kelly, Sheed, and Natanui all had contracts into 2022 and beyond. Those con- contracts were done when the players were fit and informed. They used all their early draft picks and brought in Piotrowski-Seaton as a cheap trade. Uh, cheers, Graham from Padbury.
5: Yeah, no, Graham makes a good point, but you can trade a player mid-contract if you think you're done Mm. and if you think you need the cap space or you need the draft picks. And at that stage, all those players had currency and because they have contracts, you control the trade. Mm. West Coast didn't think they were done Mm. and that was the big problem. Um, You know, like someone like Yo, for example, that had OP, um, a a club that has a great OP specialist and, and they have confidence in their ability to get them through that and over that. They might have still been prepared to pay good mm. uh, good money and a good draft pick for someone like Alec Yo. Jeremy McGovern was still regarded as one of the best interceptors in the competition at that point. Yeah. Luke Shuey probably already had soft tissue issues. He was also the captain of the club, so not him. Tim Kelly's just joined, so not him. Um, Dom Sheed, yeah, maybe. Andrew Gaff, The probably the key date for Andrew Gaff was, I think, Andrew Gaff re-signed in 2018, so therefore 2019, 2020. At the end of 2020, there's that period where Um, there's the trigger for the final four years of that contract. Right. Now, I don't know whose trigger that was, whether it was Andrew's, whether it was the clubs, or whether it was a mutual agreement at that point. But at that point, there may have been a window of opportunity Mm. for them to say, okay, Andrew, maybe time for you to go as well.
0: The fans are certainly triggered by the decision. Um, And this one from Brad saying, on a side note, it's all the West Coast Eagles problems. At what point does it become an AFL problem? Now. Now.
5: Sydney's... Percentage jumped 15% on the weekend. Yeah. They, they went from nowheresville in the race for the top eight to back in the running. You know, that is a problem for the AFL.
0: There was an interesting point made that Adelaide have West Coast uh, in the last round and their win and how much buy could potentially shape, you know, top four, top eight ramifications massively.
5: Yeah, but it's here. And by that stage, West Coast will be able to throw the kitchen sink at that game and hopefully try and get something out of the season. I, You know what? That's the sort of game where West Coast may give a mighty yelp in, mm. in that game. So I, I hear what you're saying, but, um, yeah, if you're Adelaide, that may not necessarily be a good thing. You'd, you'd probably rather play them now when they're trudging through the depth <laughs> of the winter.
0: For sure. Uh, there wasn't too many uh, Freo techs today, but Ben from Bentley said, if Freo had results like this, the coach would have been gone in two weeks.
5: Yeah, I don't know about that. Ross Lyon missed finals for four years Mm. before he was gone. Don't forget, this is still Adam Simpson's, this will be his third year out of finals.
0: Mm. And there was another one that I can't find now, but they were basically saying, you know, let's give it up for Liam Henry and uh, his sort of arrival as an AFL player on the weekend.
5: 32 disposals, used the ball beautifully, ran hard, made position beautifully, kept his width on the
0: wing. Well done, Liam. Let's see more of it. And uh, we'll talk some more Dockers and Eagles tomorrow on the show as well, if there's uh, anything left with the Eagles. (laughs) Big show today. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: And uh, you're right, Heater. we'll be back, and I'm sure there'll be more West Coast to talk about tomorrow. (laughs) This has been Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA. Thanks so much for listening.